Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. This weekend, Formula One returns to Baku in Azerbaijan and a Red Bull has topped the timesheets in both sessions with Max Verstappen quickest in FP1 and Sergio Perez fastest in FP2. After missing Baku last year, the drivers were re-familiarising themselves with the track and clearly trying to determine where they could push and by how much, with multiple cars ending up on the escape roads and also a few spins. But in FP1, Max Verstappen set the fastest time with a 1 minute 43.148 on the softs, followed by the Ferraris of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Daniel Ricciardo had a good session, finishing P5, while we saw a spin from his teammate Lando Norris, but fortunately there was no damage. Later in the day, Sergio Perez topped the times with a 142.1 in FP2, a tenth ahead of his teammate Max Verstappen, followed by Carlos Sainz. A red flag was brought out when Nicholas Latifi's car came to a stop due to the engine overheating, and that signalled the end of his session. Despite setting solid times throughout the day, Charles Leclerc took a trip into the barriers at turn 15, which resulted in him losing the front wing and bringing out the virtual safety car, and also interrupting the soft tyre runs of those behind him. After a disappointing weekend in Monaco, things weren't looking great for Mercedes today, with Lewis Hamilton even coming on the radio during the second session of the day, saying that he doesn't know where the time is. In FP1, Hamilton finished P7 and Valtteri Bottas P10, whilst in FP2, neither Mercedes made it into the top 10, Hamilton finishing P11, a second off of the pace of Sergio Perez, while Bottas was down in P16. I am joined today by Autosports Technical Director Jake Boxelleg to chat through today's practice sessions. 
JBL, how are you? How's everything going today? You've just said you're very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it always is on a Friday because we've got two sessions. If F2 is running that weekend as well, there's two sessions for that and then just various other motorsport coming in, uh, which we will have to deal with. And obviously practice as well for me uh it's the first chance i get to see new bits and pieces coming onto the cars um what the teams are sort of thinking with regards to setup and how they're trying to approach the weekend really so it's uh it's a very busy day uh we usually end up finishing quite late on a friday but uh, it's all it's all good fun and talking of setup and things that you might have eyed up today is there anything that did catch your eye anything that you can share with our listeners Sure, I think, and I think this goes for every Baku race we have. I think pretty much every year because the circuit, as we all know, it's very sort of split. We've got that massive long straight, but there's also that old town section as well where the corners are much more tight. Of course, you've got those 90 degree corners as well. And so it's a real balancing act between do we go all out and shave all of the drag off of this car, go for the straight line speed and, and, and end up with a little less downforce uh, and, and maybe struggle a bit in sector two? Or do you try and go down the middle, which I think most teams do? Or do you throw it all at the sector two, but you lose a lot of time on the on the straight? And that's not something that y- you would really ever do. But uh, each sector on this course is very very different from the last so there's there's a lot to consider um and you'll see lots of different teams trialing lots of different rear wings uh, i think red bull had two different rear wings in in practice to see which was best for them to get the most performance in a straight line but also when it comes to you know turn 7 8 9 10 11 those ter- those turns having enough downforce to get the acceleration and the drive off of those corners as well so it's a it's a real challenge for the engineers to get their heads around it definitely is and going into this weekend we've seen all of the drivers playing down the potential performance of their cars but today we've seen the cars on track max verstappen topping fp1 sergio perez fp2 now verstappen has never actually been on podium here whereas perez has had two podiums but it is abundantly clear how strong the red bull car is this year and They're once again coming into the weekend looking very dominant in comparison to their closest competitors, who we will, of course, touch on later on. But tell us about what you saw from the Red Bull runs in today's sessions. I think that, the first of all, I think that Perez said after the session, having topped FP2, that he finally feels that he's got the measure of the Red Bull car. And he said at the start of the season, it might take me five or six rounds to be able to sort of get comfortable with the car. And it's you know, very diff- different to anything he's ever driven before. He's driven the sort of Force India slash Racing Point lineage of cars for quite a long time. And so this Red Bull, which Alex Albon and Pierre Gasly struggled with, that kind of ethos, he's had to get used to that. And, and he seems to have found something. He's always, always done very well here at Baku as well. Um, so it's been a good, very good session for him as well. Um, I When I was watching an FP1, I was sort of wondering where the time was was coming from because Ferrari looks very, very good. Uh, in particular, with regards to straight line speed, it does look like it's riding the corners very, very well. And Red Bull perhaps looked a little out of sorts in the middle sector, but they seem to have got it back together now and they seem to be strong everywhere, which is, uh, again, as I said at the top, something that you, you really need to drill down on, having that flexibility with your setup to be strong in every single sector on this track. And Red Bull seems to have that so far. Now, we heard Verstappen complaining 
in FP2 that he had no grip and that he wasn't liking the setup of the car. And we've also heard a number of the drivers commenting on the wind that they're experiencing this weekend. Can you just talk us through the track conditions at this circuit and the impact that the grip and the wind is going to have throughout the re- throughout the weekend? Yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, been to Baku, but it's, it is honestly most of the time very very windy, and it's because it's it's so close to the sea. Um, there was a really big headwind going down into turn one, which is going to give the teams. Uh, a lot of extra performance if they've got DRS or if they've got a tow that's going to be so so beneficial to them if that headwind remains for the rest of the weekend because that car in front is punching a massive hole in the air but when you get into the sort of uh, the the meads of the circuit these corners the wind is going to play a significant role in what downforce you have which way it's blowing uh, are you going to be able to get the most performance out of your wings and your diffuser? And if you're getting this headwind into turn one, you know, that's a tailwind into turn uh, three. And so that's going to perhaps upset your balance. And so it's not going to be consistent all around the circuit, which is perhaps the, the important thing to think about. Um, you know, the wind might change direction. Uh, again, it's, uh, pardon the pun, it depends on which way the wind's blowing. Um <laughs> But it, it, it really does uh, depend on that. And so one lap might not be different, might be very different to the other. Um, tire grip as well is, is something that a lot of drivers have commented on as well. So all of these conditions can play into your hands one lap and take it away from you the next lap. So it does really honestly depend. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out on Sunday because it is forecast to be windier, I believe, than it is than it was today. So we'll see them battling that, I imagine. Now, the other team that performed pretty solidly today was the Ferrari again. They've Both the drivers have stressed not to expect a repeat of Monaco. And we know that the long straights is where the, the car tends to be weaker. Um, but the middle sector here is a bit more suited to them, actually. And today they've put in good performances. In FP1, they finished P2 and P3 with Charles Leclerc ahead. And then FP2, we saw a P3 and P4 finish with Carlos Sainz ahead. So how much of what you of what we saw today do you think will translate into qualifying tomorrow and also race day? Because obviously they both require different things and different strengths. I think for the most part, the Ferrari does seem really nice and consistent in that second sector, which is what you want. You want to ensure that, you know, when you're going through the more difficult parts of the track, you feel confident. One of the things that the Ferrari has done over the last couple of seasons, uh, we saw this particularly in 2019, not so much last season because they were struggling for one reason or another, but they seem to have got back on top of it this weekend, is that the car's really, really nice over curbs. It's very, very compliant. It gives the drivers a feeling that when they get back on the throttle, they can do it quite early and not feel too uh, out of balance in the middle of the corner. Um, And that's something that the Ferrari, you know, has in spades and they feel very, very confident in that second sector. And the engine crucially isn't as bad as it was last year, which means that had we come to Baku in 2020, Ferrari really would have struggled. But they seem to be sort of back on pace this year uh they've been slowly working away and chipping away at the car that they have um it's been such a big turnaround from last year to this year as well so they're, they're looking good uh obviously leclerc did have his uh slight uh scuffle with the wall in fp2 uh he was on a quick lap uh and i think he, he set a best sector one and then he hit the wall um which was a little bit of a 
probably a little bit of a flashback for him because uh, he did the same during qualifying in 2019. Um, So it's good to get that out of his system now in practice rather than end up doing it tomorrow. I think he'll know where the limits are now. You know, hopefully we see a sort of good fight. He wasn't in it really after qualifying last weekend or in Monaco, sorry. It would be nice to see him and Carlos both in the mix that would be that would be cool yeah i'm excited to see that and i'm hoping that yeah he's got any little knocks out of his system today but of course this is a track where accidents happen safety cars often make an appearance and that can completely throw things up into the air so we'll have to see how it unfolds on sunday but i think we need to jump over to the mercedes because i'm sure a lot of the listeners will be wondering what on earth is going on Again, it doesn't look too great for them today. FP1, P7 and P10, and then more disappointingly in FP2, P11 and P16. I mean, Lewis was a second off of Perez's time. Bottas was two seconds in FP2. We know that the tyre warm-up is an issue that the Mercedes really struggles with. Is that the issue that we're seeing affecting them today? Or is there more to this that they're struggling with and that they're going to have to unpick this evening and over the rest of the weekend? I think it's something that Mercedes is currently trying to look at because they're not 100% sure themselves. I think it is based on the tyre warm-up because obviously this car, of course, is a carryover from last season's car. It doesn't have the DAS anymore. That's no longer allowed, so they don't have that tool available to them ahead of a qualifying lap. The key thing to look at their performance um, and having you know seen interview transcripts of both drivers today they don't think that the balance in the car is all that bad honestly they're sort of kind of happy with it as a base but there's just no grip for them and i think that is related to that tire wear uh, sorry tire warm-up i also think it's slightly because because they don't have that the knock-on effect of that is when it comes to circuits like monaco and baku these these are street courses these are public roads uh with tarmac that's not kind of designed to generate masses of grip for racing cars um these are things that everyday people drive on they don't want to have their road car tires you know chewed up to bits by by the tarmac (laughs) which is what a racetrack is supposed to do Uh, it's supposed to develop that heat and generate that grip and streets don't have that and so mercedes have come to back you and they're thinking how how do we get more heat into the tires we we don't really know um and there's only so much they can do they can play with you know suspension settings and things like that but it does kind of come down to how the car is designed how the suspension setup is designed um and it's not something that they can you know completely turn around in in a single moment but i'm sure you know they've got a lot of bright people in that garage and i'm sure they'll try and fix it some way or another yeah i imagine they're going to be spending the rest of the evening working incredibly hard to sort of improve things ahead of tomorrow and I saw that on Sky Toto didn't have time for interviews after FP2 he just wanted to go straight back to the office to debrief um you touched on DAS there and I actually received a message from one of my followers asking whether these issues that Mercedes experience with the tyre warm-up is this linked to the fact that they no longer have DAS and how much of an impact do you think that that is actually having when Mercedes came up with DAS that was a problem for the tyre warm-up issues that they'd had in seasons gone by. Um, And it worked very, very well last year. You know, in some cases it worked almost too well. Um, But they've had to, without that tool, without that workaround solution, they've had to go back to a situation that they're familiar with but still haven't got on top of. Um, And and that's a problem for them because it's something that they haven't, without the use of DAS, solved. Um, 
So I don't think it's like because they don't have it anymore. I think it was always an underlying issue that they had solved and then that problem then came back when they weren't allowed to use the the tool that they developed for that. So it's it's generally not too much of an issue uh, when it comes to regular circuits, as I've said, but when it comes to Monaco and Baku, it's kind of exacerbated by just the conditions that are at the circuit. Yeah, I guess DAS was sort of like a plaster over the problem, but now the plaster has been ripped away and they're back to trying to solve the underlying (laughs) issue. Now, looking at FP2, of course, we see the teams doing their qualifying simulations and then the long runs. Hamilton was clearly not looking too comfortable on the soft tyres initially, and he was struggling with grip. And then shortly after he came in, switched over to the mediums, he did his longer runs and looked better, actually. Um, what did you make of both his performance and Bottas's in terms of the qualifying simulations and the long runs? Do you think that they might end up not qualifying too well tomorrow, but be able to make up a few places on the track on Sunday? Or do you think that actually they might be able to piece it together for tomorrow and start in a stronger position anyway? I think they'll manage to pull out of the bag somehow. And I'm sure they'll get both cars in Q3 um, one way or another. Uh, If they don't, it still will be a surprise, I think, uh, even though they've struggled in FP2. Um, But when it comes to that medium tyre pace, as you've said, um, when it comes to a race tyre, there isn't so much pressure to... Uh, get that tyre up to temperature quickly within a lap. You bring it in gradually over the laps and because it's a harder tyre, you don't have to worry about taking the life out of it. So obviously that will stand them in good stead for the race. And, you know, we've seen Baku races before. There is always an opportunity to, to get up the field. You could qualify terribly, but as long as you're in the pack, that's the key thing. As long as you're staying within a second of the car ahead, you're you're okay because you're going to be able to get a toe, you're going to be able to get DRS. It's when it, it's race management, that's the main thing. And if you start to fall out of that one second boundary, then that's where you're going to hit trouble. And so Mercedes are going to have to, I wouldn't say they're going to want to concede pole, but they're going to have to box a little bit clever and think, okay, um, if we can try and get fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth on the grid uh, and try and dial in a setup where our car is going to be good at following other cars, um, that's going to be the balance that you want because then you will remain in that pack and you won't fall out of that bracket. So I think you've got to yeah, think about setup for more of the race uh, given the ease it is to overtake around here, especially with DRS. Yeah, there's a lot of potential at this track, which is... Partially what makes it so exciting, especially coming off the back of Monaco. Now, moving on to McLaren, they're currently third in the Constructors' Championship. Today, we saw Ricardo putting in a solid effort in FP1 to finish P5. Norris, eighth fastest after having a spin. And in FP2, Norris was again P8, and he was ahead of Ricardo this time, who finished up 13th fastest. But it seemed like a bit of a quiet session, uh, the second session of today, what was going on for them in that session? A bit further down the pack as well. Saw a few McLarens off in the in the <laughs> runoff a couple of times. I think uh, Norris and Ricardo were in the same space uh, at one point. McLaren never usually likes to make a big song and dance out of a Friday. It's just about getting your in FP1, getting you know your track prep done, um, making sure that you you're, you're in a good place for the rest of the weekend, making sure that the drivers are happy with the general setup. And then FP2, that's when you can start to look at race runs, uh, a little bit of soft tyre running as well, um, and start to build your weekend around those. And uh, 
under especially under Andreas Seidel as well, uh, McLaren has always played it relatively conservatively in in practice because it has a plan and it's going to stick to it. Um, so I don't think we should read too much into them. I think that car is going to be very very good in a straight line, and it should be pretty good around the corners as well. You know, Norris had a very very good Monaco race, so the car can handle that. Uh, and hopefully, Ricardo's got on top of whatever plagued him two weeks ago as well. So I think McLaren, uh, they should be in a good place, uh, just bringing themselves into the weekend slowly as they as they usually do. But obviously they're going to hope that they don't have any more off-track excursions over the rest of the weekend uh, because uh, un- unless they're uh, planning an early lunch, I know that along one of the runoffs there's a very nice Russian restaurant, so perhaps they're popping in, just getting a reservation for, for lunchtime or something like that. But hopefully they don't do that when it comes to the actual sessions. Yeah, hopefully not. Now, Ferrari are obviously two points behind them in the standing, so neck in neck, very close battles. Looking at what we've seen today, how do you think the two teams are going to fare against each other? Because they've, as we've said, they've both been very conservative in their expectations for this weekend. We weren't expecting Ferrari to be super strong on the straights, but, you know, solid performance today from Ferrari. So how do you think it will pan out when we come to race day? I said that you can't read too much into it, but now I'm just about to make a prediction. (laughs) uh, So contradict myself already. Um, But I think... Ferrari seems to have just the edge at the moment. It seems to be a little bit more confident with the car uh, around the circuit at the moment. Um, and McLaren, as I said, is just sort of bringing themselves into the weekend. I think when it comes to FP3 tomorrow, we'll have more of a picture. This battle is so good uh, at the moment. Um, I think maybe we're expecting or hoping for more of a midfield melee, but you know we've got a really good battle between those teams for, for third overall, and it's so close. Um and, you know, you can call it one re- weekend and I, I can say Ferrari's probably going to have the edge here, but maybe in France, McLaren has the edge. It's so close. Um, so I, I kind of wouldn't like to call it, but I think Ferrari might just have the edge at the moment. I'm loving how close Ferrari and McLaren are. I just think it's so exciting. And the lineup in both teams is really, really exciting as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to how it pans out. Let's move on to the Alpha Tauris. So... Pierre Gasly was sixth fastest in FP1 and fifth fastest in FP2. Solid day for him. Yuki Tsunoda was one of the many drivers as well to take a trip down an escape road. It was just nonstop today, to be honest, with, across the board. And when he went down his escape road, he then struggled to find the reverse and had to ask the team. And he eventually made it out and ended up finishing 14th fastest in FP1 and 10th fastest in FP2. Clearly differences in performance between him and Gasly, which is to be expected because Sonoda's a rookie and Gasly is clearly very, very talented. But Sonoda has also revealed that he's now relocated from Milton Keynes to Italy to be closer to the factory. How much of a difference do you think things like that will make for him, given that he's a rookie and, you know, he needs a bit more time to embed in the team? Do you think that we're going to see some improvements coming up from him? You'd hope so, and you sort of wonder why they didn't do it sooner, really. Um, Because surely the thing you want from your rookie is, especially stepping up from F2, where you have spec cars and feedback is very, very limited, to Formula 1, where suddenly you've got this surplus of information and you're thrown into the deep end, you've got all of these extra buttons on the steering wheel, and you have to somehow, you know, wade your way through it. Um, But they've finally done that. Uh, Franz Tost has put him through a... Uh, a training schedule and uh you know getting to know the team properly schedule uh which is a good thing um i think 
Yuki came into Formula One, he was very, very highly rated, and I think maybe he just bought into his own hype a little bit, and he thought, oh, I can do this. Uh, I've been good in all of these, you know, he's gone from F4 to F3 to F2 in consecutive years, and he's like, I'm sure I'll land on my feet. And he had that good first race, which I think probably didn't do him any Mm. favours because it sort of spiralled from there. So I think they're just putting a sort of lid on it, trying to stop the rot as it happens and just get him onto the wavelength of what it means to be a Formula One driver. And Alpha Tauri is the right place to do that because, you know, that's it's Red Bull's junior team. It's the de facto training ground for all of these young drivers. Um, and the way that they, you know, brought Pierre Gasly back from, you know, crushing defeat at Red Bull to, you know, winning a race the following year. Um, and, you know, Comparing his performance with uh, Gasly's for a moment, you know, Gasly can just get in the car. He knows it so well and he does great things in practice sessions. And you kind of expect that from him now. And it's just about getting Yuki on that same uh, wavelength uh, as as Yeah, getting him comfortable in that car and in that team. Alpine were also looking pretty decent today, especially Fernando Alonso, who wound up sixth fastest in FP2. He said that he's more or less happy with his performance on Sundays, and it's the Saturdays that he's focusing on a bit more. So given that P6 today, of course, it's only Friday, but it's pretty promising, isn't it? Again, for him, it's a slightly different situation to a rookie because he knows what he needs to do within the team. It's just getting back up to speed with the car. Um, uh, and the Alpine's not been totally easy for for, for either driver. Uh, Ocon's done some really really good things this year, but when it comes to a qualifying session, he'll be ahead of Alonso, but they'll end up finishing very much in similar places. So one goes forwards and one goes backwards. And we know how good Fernando Alonso is around Baku as well. Uh, there was that race in 2018 where he got smashed to pieces at the start, <laughs> dragged that car back to the pits and somehow got it to to p7 which was you know a stunning drive um and only, one that only he really could have pulled off i think um so he's got still got that drive he's still got that determination and to see him p6 as well he's i think yeah he's slowly getting there and uh i think alpine would have been would have been looking from that result for since the start of the season absolutely now, Alpine are right in the thick of it in terms of standings with Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin in the championship. Alpine are sitting on 17 points, Alpha Tauri 18, and Aston Martin 19. Very, very close. We've already discussed Alpha Tauri, and looking at Aston Martin today, FP1 Lance Stroll was P13 and Sebastian Vettel P15. And then in FP2, Stroll was P14, only around seven thousandths ahead of Vettel. Looking at those three teams, who do you think is looking most set for a strong weekend here from just from what we've seen today? And this is if they execute it right. Uh, Alpha Tauri is probably looking in the best shape at the moment. Uh, but the problem is this season, races haven't been executed probably for, for one reason or another. Um, you know, Gasly's had searing pace in qualifying, but just things have just slipped out of their grasp a little bit. Um Alpine is sort of probably in the middle and I don't it doesn't look like Aston look truly happy at the moment um but then again they did have a very very good weekend in Monaco where they did execute a brilliant strategy to get both cars in the points after Vettel qualified I think P9 and Stroll 13th both of them well into the points so it might require a little bit more of of that sort of thing uh obviously we know that safety cars are very prevalent here um so 
there's there's lots of opportunity. Uh, you can only play the hand that you're dealt in front of you, but I think when it comes to strategies, there's a lot to, a lot to do around Baku. So um, it'll it'll be a close one, I think. Definitely will be, and I think it's going to continue like that throughout the season. Actually, as we've said all through the races that we've had so far, things are just so close that the tiniest, tiniest factors make a huge difference at the moment um which we love to see of course but looking further down the pack Alfa Romeo we saw solid P7 from Antonio Giovinazzi in FP2 he's of course coming off the back of his first point of the season in Monaco and he finished three tenths ahead of Kimi Raikkonen and over at Williams it was P17 for George Russell in both sessions whilst Nicholas Latifi was P18 in FP1 and then of course he couldn't complete FP2 as his engine overheated and shut down and as for the Haas both Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher had their moments today Mazepin made contact with the wall on the exit of turn five with Schumacher running into an escape road pretty much straight after And we also saw more complaints from other drivers about Mazepin blocking them on their runs, notably Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen. I don't feel like we need to go into that again because it's a bit of a recurring issue now. (laughs) And I don't feel like there's that much more to say on it because, yeah, it's just a bit peculiar. But because I have you here, I do want to quickly touch on the flexi wings because they remain a hot topic. And of course, you are the technical guru. We've heard about all of the complaints of the red, no pressure, of the red, the red bull flexi wings. <laughs> and we've seen clips today on Sky Sports F1. And it strangely seemed that actually the Mercedes rear wing also looked to be flexing as such. And Red Bull has commented, or Christian Horner has commented, that the Mercedes front wing is also, you know, it moves and that Toto should potentially, I think his words were, keep his mouth shut or something very similar to that wording. Can you just clarify, is it the case that Mercedes are also sporting flexi wings or is this just a bit of smoke to mask what's happening here? I They all are to some degree, I think. Um, that's that's the bottom line. Um, the thing is, this, this championship battle between Mercedes and Red Bull is getting to this point where they're looking for every single tiny yeah. little bit uh, and if Red Bull's rear wing flexes more than Mercedes' rear wing, then Mercedes is going to try and get it banned because for them it's less of an issue and it sort of brings them back onto parity. Um, but then Red Bull's going to hit back and say, well, your front wing flexes more than ours. So it's like kids <laughs> in, in school dobbing each other into the teacher. Obviously, there's been ch- a few changes this weekend. We haven't got to the full uh, complete changes in scrutineering yet, but... You might have seen that the rear wings have been marked yes. with a little sticker so the FIA can throw its little uh, camera on it and see kind of how much it flexes and, and measure it that way, which is quite a good good thing to do. Um, I think with regards to using sensors on the cars as the race and qualifying and practice and whatever is, is happening, that's a good way to police it as, as well. Um, because, you know, the pullback tests that they've used before, clearly, you know, it's not been enough. Um but yeah, again, it's just it's just gamesmanship at this point. Uh, every every team is doing it to some extent. Um, it's just how much by that's the I think that's the the main cause of consternation. There we have it. A little bit of tit for tap is what we're witnessing. Right, that is everything from us today. JBL, thank you so much for joining me to chat. 
If you head over to Autosport Plus right now, here are a few of the brilliant articles that you can read. Alex Kalinorkas has written a fab piece on why George Russell is ready to fight for F1 titles. As I said, it is a hot topic and Roddy Basso has penned an article on why F1 shouldn't be too rigid on flexi wings. And Matt Q discusses how Extreme E's Senegal round hints at the series' true potential. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Head over to autosport.com forward slash plus, click sign in at the top of the page and use PODCAST to get that 50% discount. Thanks for joining us once again and we'll be back tomorrow to unpack everything that happens in qualifying. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.